our leader will now share for 20 or 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. And our leader tonight is Mo. Hi, Mo H., Recovered Compulsive Eater Sugar Addict. This is fabulous. I traveled all the way from Walnut Creek. I left at 2.30 to visit a friend on the way. And then I stopped to see my son and daughter-in-law, and they gave me dinner. They didn't know I was coming, but they had food. And then I traveled from Clipper Street. Somehow, the guy got over here. And then I found a parking spot. That's the challenge. Well, welcome to the newcomers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I heard it just read, rarely have we seen a person fail uh, who has thoroughly followed our path. Well, what I wrote in my inscription here is, rarely had I thoroughly followed this path. (laughs) I've been in the room since 1989. My recent uh, committed date of entire abstinence is March of 2016. So I have, what, three and a half years or a little bit more. Right about now, four years ago, I was face down into the sugar after having five years of abstinence. And it, yes, oh, um, it came about as a result of overgiving on service. And I mean the business service. I don't mean program service. And that's difference for me. Program service is helping sponsees, helping at meetings, uh, um, you know, going to events. And, and be, but business is, I was doing region two. I was on the board and I was the events coordinator for, for two years. And you don't want to lose your abstinence when you're sitting up on a dais and everybody knows you have to step down if you lose your abstinence. And I was the events coordinator, which meant I booked hotels for the conventions and the assemblies. It was a very stressful job. It was more stressful than my job job. So the day that when I finished it in October of 2015, I don't remember what I picked up, but it had to have been sugar because I couldn't stop. For two months, 25 pounds later, my top weight was close to 200. I'm now about 140 to 45 in there, depending. All right, but people ask me what's my favorite wording or, or words, and it's on page 25, and it says... One was to go on to the bitter, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation, which is what I was doing for those two months, blotting out everything. My family, you, my program, God, everything. All I could think of was, was food and how to get it. And I was back into my old behaviors that fast. Uh, Sneaking, putting it in my pockets, uh, hiding it under the seat in the car, uh, you know, going out to the garage so my husband wouldn't see what I was eating. And then the other one is to accept spiritual help. And this we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. And what's the spiritual help? It's the 12 steps. So I have to work them every day and part of my share is going to be how I do that how I do that so one of the things I like to share is food is not the problem and some of you have heard me share you'll hear me repeat this because 
I thought it was the problem. I came to these rooms not for recovery. I came for relief. I wanted relief to get out of those tight clothes that I couldn't fit into and to get, be able to reach my shoe laces and tie them and to be able to crawl on the ground with my grandkids, you know, or at the time with my kids. And, but I came for relief. I didn't come for all this other stuff that comes. But I say to the newcomers, stay in the rooms and listen. And it will, you'll start absorbing it and ask questions. Call people, ask questions. And I have my phone number here on some cards and I put it on the list. Do you want to call me? Some of you do already. I love talking on the phone. But food is not the problem. But food is the solution to the problem, so I think. And if we're all addicts in here, foodies, whether under or over, or sugar addicts, whatever, I think food is the, well, so what's the problem? Well, I've heard it said on, on a phone line that I listened to, and I bought, brought cards for that. Um, it's the buildup of everyday emotions that I don't deal with on a daily basis. And I mean daily. That's what the 10th step is about. And I know for you newcomers, this is going to be a little bit advanced, but it's, all the steps lead up to step 10. And step 10 is about working my program daily, daily. So, um, okay. So some of the questions I ask my sponsees, and if you've ever been my sponsee, you've heard these. Do you want to stop eating compulsively for good and for all? Are you desperate? That's one question. And I've had one person say, no, I'm not desperate. I said, well, then you're not ready to work with me. You have to be desperate. And number two, are you willing to go to any extreme to do so? These are in the big book. They're in uh, chapter seven with uh, working with others. Are you willing to go to any extreme? And the third one that I have added is are you willing to give up all control and get direction? And when I say give up control, when I'm picking up the food and doing this, I'm taking back control right there. There is no God right there. If I go to Costco and they have all those little things around, you know, the bends, and I'm hungry, and I, and I take one. Oh, I tell my sponsees, that elbow is my God. Between here and here, what is that? A nanosecond? Can I do something about that to stop it before it gets here? All right, so are you willing to give up all control and get direction? Work with a sponsor. So for the newcomers... Sit in meetings, listen to people. If you like what they're sharing, ask them to be your sponsor. If they don't, if they can't, ask if they've sponsored somebody who can sponsor you. Because, you know, I have people that I have sponsored that are sponsoring now. All right, so surrender is not giving up, but being willing to cooperate. And compulsive overeating is suicide by the layaway plan. Slow death. A very slow death, and it is not talked about in our society at all. People die of this disease, and it's not stated on their death certificate. 
I don't, we can name some of them. Mama Cass, uh, uh, Karen Carpenter, um, you know, she, she died. It was a heart issue. I don't know what it was with Mama Cass. Uh, Howard Taft, our president, died of obesity. Um, a lot of people are dying of obesity. Walk around and see. And I just want to help people because my heart goes out to them because I, I wasn't 100 pounds overweight, but they keep asking me to come here, so I come. <laughs> I said I, ta I talked there already once, but that's okay. I'll come back. All right, so, so step zero. What is step zero? Put the food down. I will not work with somebody unless they have three days of abstinence. And I ask them, you know, now I'm in Howaway, so that's a little bit different, but you know, you guys have the dignity of choice food plan. Uh, pick one, start in on it, take it to a dietitian or a nutritionist, have it reviewed for you and your medical issues or whatever. But I can't work with somebody who's eating. They, it's impossible to be totally honest with yourself. I th I'm full of myself if I'm trying. So put the food down is step zero. Um, so I have here, if you want to stop and can't, your ideas suck. You need a new brain. <laughs> the steps. <laughs> you know? Okay. So, so here's a little bit of my history. I, what, how much time do I have? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, ten minutes. Okay. You'll be signaling at ten. I, yeah, give me a five. You're going to be signaling at ten. So I want to get to step ten by, number five, right. by at five minutes. Okay, I was a cereal dieter from a young age. I call myself a freeze-dried sugar addict because I didn't start out as a sugar addict. I just enjoyed sugar. And I was a dancer. Oh, I brought my pictures. Do you guys want to see my pictures? I forget all of that. Who wants some? All right. So you see in there some dancing pictures. My brother and I were a team. We tap danced. We did acrobat. We did all that stuff. So that kept my weight at bay when I was a kid. So I could come home from school and, well, I couldn't eat what I want because my mom controlled my food. So it was pretty healthy snacks after school. But when I got out of the house, so I, my weight stayed pretty good until I was 13. Then I grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland. My father was transferred from Washington, D.C. to California. Now, do you know what that does to a 13-year-old freshman in high school? And did, did we talk about feelings? Uh, moving 3,000 miles away from my friends and my family? I never grew up with my cousins. I hardly know them. I'm in California. They're in New York. Okay. So we didn't discuss feelings. My mother uh, became, well, she, did, she probably was drinking before, but her alcoholism kicked in a little bit more. My brother became an alcoholic addict, and my father became a workaholic, and I went into food because I didn't like alcohol. I liked the, the sweet stuff. So I started gaining weight then in high school. And I struggled, I struggled, I struggled. I, you know, I'd gain weight and try to find some diet, crazy diet, and lose weight. And I know we've all tried all those crazy diets, cabbage, cabbage soup diet, the stewardess's <laughs> diet, Weight Watchers, um, uh, a, be a diet that came in a brown paper bag in the mail, you know, some secrets, whatever. Oh, pills, went to doctor and got pills. Um, I didn't get shots, and I didn't have any surgery, but, you know, I try, I try. 
Okay, so fast forward, gain weight in high school, then I went away to college, and whoo, then my weight really kicked in in college, because then I got into alcohol. Even though I didn't like it, I did it, because everybody else was, and I could eat whatever I wanted when I wanted, because mom wasn't around, and mom wasn't in the kitchen, so I could eat what I want. And then I got married, and I lost weight for the wedding, and then we proceeded to have five children. So with each child, up, then lose it after the, the kid. And then, you know, two years later, another, and, and, and so it was, and, and each time it went up a little higher with each, with each baby. So by the last one, I was over the 200 pounds, and it was like, oh, my God. And, and my mom was always on me, and I, I like to blame her for my illness, but it isn't. I take responsibility for my own, my own, I'm an addict. And I wish I could have said to her, that says in the big book, frothy emotional appeal avails us nothing. Uh, my mom was always doing frothy emotional appeal on me, and I wish I'd say, you know, that's going to do you nothing. I, she used to say to me, would you just get some willpower? And I wish I could have said, well, it's my will and God's power. I can't get willpower. But I didn't know any of that when she was alive. So anyway... Okay, so fast forward, how did I end up in OA? My therapist, all those wonderful therapists. So I went to my therapist to work on my marriage, and the second day in therapy, she had me bring a picture of my family of origin, which is my father, my mother, my brother, and I. And she said, look at your mother's jaw. And I go, what's the matter with my mother's jaw? And she said, she's a very angry lady. So I realized in all this therapy that I dealt with a very angry mother who drank to keep it down, but then all of there would be these big things, and I didn't know where I stood. But, so after three years of therapy, I said to her one day, I was on the Weight Watchers diet, and I was gaining my weight back. I mean, you know, the diet ends, and I gain my weight It doesn't make sense. I said to her, I think I have a problem with food. Well, she says, I need to find you a good OA meeting. And she had sent me to Al-Anon, to ACA, and to CODA. And I remember looking at her saying, not another meeting. <laughs> but anyway, I started in 1989. I went to my first meeting. was at Alta Bates Hospital in Oakland, uh, Saturday morning. I, it may even still be going. And I went for uh, two or three or four or five years. I enjoyed it as a social club. Uh, but I would, not, would go out and have dinner with my daughter afterwards. Or so. I didn't get it. I didn't feel like I was home. Some people come in the rooms and feel they're home. I thought you all had a lot of problems, and I didn't. You know, talk about selfish. Yeah, stuck up. Oh, anyway. So then I, somebody told me about how, and I went, oh, God, that's, cra- that's crazy. No sugar, no flour. You know, three meals a day, nothing in between. I'm a grazer. I can't get from one end of the day to the next. So, um, But I did. I went to Howe in 92, and I stayed there until 96. My father died. My best friend died. She's in, in, in my picture book. She was my best friend. And the day she died, I picked up sugar. I had lost the 60 pounds, 65 pounds. I don't know what it is. And um, I picked up sugar. And I, four years I was out of the rooms because... The shame and the embarrassment that goes along with the eating just kills us. And I, every time I hear a sponsee doing that, I say, that is your disease trying to kick your butt. 
trying to make you feel so bad that you will isolate. And this is a disease, as you heard, of isolation. It, it, it grips us, and then we, I don't, I wasn't answering, and the, in those days it wasn't cell phones, it was the home phone, I wasn't answering it. I wasn't going to meetings. I can't help you unless you pick up the phone. I call somebody I don't see for two or three times and then I stop calling because I want to talk to people. All right, so now let's fast forward to, I told you about five years ago what happened. So I, I've been in, oh, I came, oh, here's my story of coming back in 2000. I was helping my mother. My father had passed away. She lived on the peninsula. I lived in Concord. I'm traveling over there. It was March 8th, 2000, Ash Wednesday, pouring rain. And I and my mother had not gotten along because she wanted to go drinking and I wanted to work on her bills and cleaning the house. And she got mad at me and blah, blah, blah. I left. Driving home, I get on the bridge and I'm in a lot of pain, a lot of pain. And I say to God, please help me. And I thought if the Bay Bridge had an opening, I could have driven my car off of it because I was in that amount of, I thought, physical pain, but it was emotional. I mean, very heavy emotion. Like, what am I going to do with her? And she's drinking and driving, and she's, you know, 70, 80 years old. And I'm worried. And I hear 7 a.m. Saturday morning. That was my home meeting four years earlier. I went. No, I didn't mean that. I meant her. <laughs> so I was arguing with God, you know. Don't debate, you know. What is that? Contempt prior to investigation? So I did. I went, it was my food. It wasn't her. And so she, I have to say, she brought me back. So I came back in 2000, and I have never left the room since. I've had a roller coaster of a ride. Of a ride. I've had brief periods of abstinence. I mean, long, longer periods and shorter periods. But it's been a slippery slope until what happened four years ago. Okay, face down in the food. I call this person up in our rooms and I say, I can't stop eating. Now, I had been identifying myself as recovered and a recovering and a sponsor and all of that. And I had stopped doing that, kind of sitting in the back and embarrassed and ashamed. And she said, these questions that I just gave you, are you desperate? And I was on my knees, desperate. And are you willing? Yes. And she said, are you willing to work the 12 steps in 30 days through the big book? And I laughed at her. <laughs> I said, nobody gets through the 12 steps in 30 days. But she had a method, and it was taking me through the big book one chapter at a time with a bunch of questions. So now, fast, so I, I get, I've put down my red light foods, which are the, the ones that are, I can't ever eat, ever, ever eat. Yellow light foods are the ones that are, that are, are gateway foods that lead to, like gum, like diet soda for me, like the sweeteners, um, so for some people, bread is a gateway food. Um, you know, for my sponsor, it was uh, cheese. She put down cheese, and she became neutral with the food. I put down all those little things I just told you, and I became neutral with the food. All right. So what happened is I never learned in all the years I was in OA how to do a real 10th step. So that's what I'm going to do for the last five minutes. Am I there almost? 
one, yes, go. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, so we have this every day. I'm sure if I was to go around and, and interview, every one of you would have either, either an irritation of the day, a frustration, uh, a, um, a resentment, uh, or even being too happy. I've done 10 <laughs> steps over being too happy because that's off balance. I try to stay kind of neutral, kind of balanced in my life. Okay, so let's, let's see. Um, so uh, just I'll give you a quick one. My husband is on dialysis, and one of the things he has to watch is potassium. And the dietician has given him a list of what to stay away from. And so he's gone over the list, and I've gone over the list, and I feed him dinner, so, you know, he doesn't get potatoes and all of that stuff that has potassium in it. But during the day, he eats on his own, and I see him picking foods, because I buy them for myself with potassium in them. So, of course, I want to say something to him, like, here's the list, you know, read the list, you're eating... So I'm, so what's happening? Building up emotions, getting anxious. Okay, so here's my 10th step. So the, 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 uh, the, the source of the irritation is my husband and the causes and conditions. He's eating these foods that are high in potassium. Okay, where am I being selfish? And I have sheets on this, and if I run out, you can take photographs of them, or I can email them to you. Um, um, take my phone, my email address. Um, where am I being selfish? So selfish is about wanting things my way, wanting to be the director, wanting to be in charge. Now, how, what does this have to do with food? Well, it does have a lot to do with food because if I want to be, if I'm trying to control him, I'm going to get really upset if he's not doing what I'm saying. So I'm going to eat food to feel better. No, I don't want to do that anymore. So I say, oh, yeah, okay, I want, I'm trying to control him. I'm trying to control the potassium. All I can do is watch it at dinner time and let the nurse tell him about the daytime. Please, God, remove my selfishness. There's the prayer that goes with 10. You're doing a four through nine when you're doing 10. A dishonest, what is the second character defect? Dishonest, what is dishonest about? Dishonest is about not telling the truth, omitting the truth, uh, not, ex not or lying to myself, or not accepting him as he is, or not trusting God. And mine is not accepting him as he is. And I'm not trusting God. So I say, please, God, remove my dishonesty. I've given you the resentment. That's number three. Um, God, save me from being angry. Thy will not mine be done. Because I get angry. And then I say, he is a sick person, like we all are. I'm a sick person. He's a sick person. Help me show him the same pity, tolerance, and patience I would cheerfully grant this sick friend that I went to visit today. Help me show that to him. And then how can I be of service? Well, maybe I can lovingly stop buying those poo foods with <laughs> potassium in them for myself, even though my meals are limited as they are. But anyway, uh, or maybe I could, you know, say, do you want to talk about the potassium level? When he comes home with his blood work and says it's really high again, well, you know, it's all that fruit you're eating because he's supposed to cut back on his fruit. Okay. So that's one way I could be helped. I can pray for him, and I can ask for God's guidance, and I can ask my sponsor for help. 
And the last one is fear. Uh, it runs through our whole, fear is underneath everything, right? So fear, three fears. Fear of losing something I have, fear of not getting something I want, or the fear of being found out. I did a 10th step with someone today, and she said, it's the fear of being found out. So I thought that was interesting. But my fear is not getting something I want, which is a husband who watches his potassium <coughs> level. So I say, please, God, here's the prayer. Remove my fear and direct my attention to what you would have me be. And, and not do. What would God have me be? Well, God would have me be understanding, tolerant, patient. I mean, I could just go through a litany of what God would have me be. And then I say, please, God, remove all these defects of character, and I assume you will. So that's six and seven. So we've just done four and five. Four is <coughs> the character defects. Five, I'm sharing it with you on the phone if I do that. Six and seven is that prayer. If I have to do an amends, which I don't because I didn't, I didn't get mad at him. Oh, I'm almost done. Um, is eight and nine. And then you've just done 10 and 11 with the prayers. And then 10 isn't done until you do a 12-step turnaround. Or they call it a 10-step turnaround. Where you call somebody... And I don't say, my husband is not watching his potassium level. I say, <laughs> how are you? What step are you on? What promises come true for you today? Have you had a miracle? And that's how you do a 10th step. And I'm done. So if you want to stop the timer. Thank you for listening.